This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and uh, today I'm joined by two special guests. Uh, first off, we have David Elliott, co-founder and owner of the Peninsula Pulse, along with his dog, Oxford. Uh, if you haven't guessed by now, this is going to be another look back at the history of the Pulse. Uh, we've got three episodes of this in the rearview mirror at this point, and uh, we are at the point in the story, Dave, where I think it is important to introduce uh, another element to the story, another character uh, to what we've been talking about. We've heard your side of the uh, the story at this point, and I'm really curious to see uh, the second part of it. So our second guest today is Miles Danhausen, who our listeners are uh, no doubt intimately familiar with. Uh, Miles, thank you for coming on to chat with Dave and I about your part in the the Pulse story. Uh, so as we as we jump into this, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about what we've we've gone over so far. So our first episode was about the first issue, Dave's uh, background, along with Tom McKenzie and their their schooling and that kind of thing, how the first issue came together. Then we talked about the the first year and how you were finding stories, the sense of community that you were starting to cultivate and find here in Door County. Episode three went over kind of how the Pulse has been all over the place, the different offices that you've been in uh, and the, the different people that have come and gone throughout the Pulse's history. And I think that uh, this is probably the right point to bring Miles in because, Miles, you were a part of the Pulse almost from the very beginning, not quite the first issue, but you, you definitely had a, a presence. And I know that you, uh, you were appreciated by the staff and, and we'll get into that uh, We'll get into that story as we go along. So thank you both for coming on to the podcast to chat with me. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing the stories that come out of, of this episode. So uh, why don't we backtrack? Uh, Dave, I'll start with you. Um, where in the where in the timeline did you first meet Miles? Um, going back, it's actually, is, is it really easy to pinpoint? Like, did you deliver a pizza to us way up in Ellison Bay maybe at one point? Well, I think, I mean, my first recollection of the pulse is... I think I saw it as I was delivering pizzas somewhere. I saw a stack of them back, whatever that first issue was, like the nine copies you printed or, or, or scribbled like on. Something like that, yeah. Um, and I thought, man, this thing's, this thing's pretty cool. This, is, uh, this looks like younger people. This, uh, like, I, I'd spent my life reading like the Door County Advocate. And, well, I shouldn't say reading it. I would, that was our local paper, but it's like it never really spoke to me. In the as a young person growing up in the county and didn't have like the stories of the unless you were in it weren't there some pictures of you in the advocate yeah there's been some pictures of me in there yeah (laughs) and some not so flattering articles thanks a lot Joe Knappen I saw it and I was like man this kind of speaks to me it's like people talking about the restaurant industry and kind of those inside things that that people know and it just seemed younger and they they had more kind of cool art and stuff so yeah I mean the the first time I saw it I thought this is pretty cool this speaks to me and I was running. A little pizza place with my brother. Actually, at that point, I wasn't running it. I was delivering pizzas for free for my brother because he opened a uh, pizza delivery shop to help pay for college, which is a totally different story that would be way too long and a horrible business idea and a horrible way to decide to try and pay for college two months before you go to college. So this this was, what, 25 years ago at this point? So you were like 32 back then? You are an <laughs> <asshole>. um, <laughs> It is 25 years ago, and... Uh, yeah, I was 16, delivering pizzas for my brother, come across this paper. I'm like, this is cool. And Dan, like, we should 
we should advertise in this. At that time, we were not advertising in anything, but we're like, we just, I was like, I just want us to be part of this cool thing that's going on. And one of the first things we tried to do to market the pizza place was to create a small little like Egg Harbor newspaper. Um, that was like a, a half, half-baked version of what the Pulse was doing. And the Pulse was a half-baked version of what it would eventually become. Um, and so I just thought this is cool. Let's like just be a part of this thing. So I called the pulse and talked about advertising and Dave shows up and he's like, you guys have pizza. What if we, what if you guys give us pizza and, and we give you an ad and then we're like, yes, that is exactly the kind of deal we need. Um, and in fact, all we have to offer, um, it worked out great. So that's how we ended up doing it. We ended up getting like a quarter page. I think it was a color ad too, right off the yep. bat for Dano's peninsula pizza. And it, at least for that first year, it was just paid for solely out of delivering pizzas to them. We didn't keep close enough track of it. I believe they probably got more pizza than we got advertising. I was going to say, who's getting the short end of the stick here? Definitely us. Well, I don't know. I mean, especially on those deadline nights. Some days, yes. They, yes. they would call, order a couple pizzas, and then about, I don't know, an hour later, it'd be like, oh, we need a couple more. <laughs> that wasn't the first year, though. That was the, that was second year, right? Because we were in when we were in Egg Harbor. Or was that when we were in Fish Creek? I, I distinctly remember delivering to the Egg Harbor yep. location. I remember that because um, it was a sty. It, it looked like a land of a bunch of dudes. Yeah. As you would expect, a bunch of 20, an apartment with like, I don't know, like it seemed like 15. The building was called Watch guys. Us Grow. Yeah. So, yeah. It, yeah it, it. <laughs> um, it really looked like a professional newspaper environment is what I'm trying to say. Well, I was going to say, if you're delivering an Egg Harbor, that's probably not that bad. But if you had to go up to Fish Creek two or three times a night to give these guys pizza, I feel like that that's when it would start to strain the ad deal. Well, but, there but, was a lot of that. I mean, we would go to Ellison Bay. We would go, we'd go anywhere because we just, anything for a dollar at the time was good for us. Um, so we basically didn't say no to anybody. That doesn't mean the pizza was anything close to warm by the time it got to them, but if they were going to pay for it, we would send it. Well, that's why I was curious if we actually met before that, because that would have been, the advertising would have been year three, but I'm pretty sure we ordered pizza for you to deliver us to in Ellison Bay, like in year one. But were you even, ex- I would think when, so. when I did think Dano's start? What was the 95. first? 95. Yeah, so I bet you came up in that, either that fall or... Yeah, delivered us pizza way up in Ellison Bay in the middle yeah. of nowhere. So, Miles, pizza obviously was not your passion, right? You Obviously, you don't continue to supply the pulse with pizza as your main job anymore. Tell me tell me about the writing side of it. Ooh, when did you like first start idea. writing for the pulse? Uh, well, first of all, I beg to differ. I was pretty passionate about pizza. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> the, I still am. Um, and I can still make a pretty good pizza at home. Not as good barbecue as Barbecue chicken? To. Yeah, the barbecue chicken was very good. It was we, very We talked about this on the last episode, and I, I did tell Dave that while I, I missed out on the Dano's pizza train, I am hoping that one day you will make me a pizza so that I can experience we'll, it. We'll do that. I, I'll either have to buy a big Blodgett pizza oven or um, make it on my green egg. Um, but yeah, how did I start writing? Like I was in high school, I always loved to write. I always saw myself as a writer. I thought I'd be a sports writer at some point. Um, and Dave at that time was like the general business practice of the pulse was if somebody is a sentient human being, ask them to contribute to the pulse. And so I, I think probably anybody who ran into Dave in like a five-year stretch was asked to contribute something to the pulse back then. Uh, I was one of those and he, he, he knew I liked sports. I mean, the, with the pizza place that I had, we, it was filled with Packers and Michael Jordan and Mickey Mantle and Muhammad Ali posters and everything on, on the wall. Um, 
and we had a basketball hoop in the driveway so we could, you know, shoot buckets between orders because, you know, we were slow. Didn't Donald Driver show up or something? Was it? Derek Mays came in Derek one Mays. night. Uh, Donald Driver showed up at Husby's one night um, when we had it. Um, Just for context, where was Dano's physically? Uh, if you know where Door County Nature Works is now, um, in the back of that building, of the long building, not the the barn in the far back, but in the the, the building that was once Birchinger's Lumberyard, um, we were the back of that. So a terrible location from a visibility standpoint, but it was cheap for a couple of teenagers to open a little restaurant with their mom. And you know, it was just like a teenage hangout, really. I mean, it was a place where there's really nothing like it, I don't think, that exists. Definitely not in Northern Door now, where high schoolers feel comfortable just hanging out and chatting and playing video games and eating cheap pizza all the time and watching, like in our case, watching a lot of sports and bad MTV videos. Um, but in any case, Dave asked me to write and he asked me, yeah, you want to write a sports column? I said, sure, I'll write a sports column. So I would just, I think it was called like From the Bleachers. And at the time I was really digging Dr. J and found this picture of Julius Irving because he's like, oh, we need a headshot for you. So I sent him a headshot of Julius Irving to run with my column. Um, in his ABA uniform with full Afro. Full so, Afro. Yeah. So I don't think it confused a lot of people. I don't think people thought. And we violated all sorts of, uh, yeah, we probably had no rights to use that photo in that way. And You yeah. did not have a contract with Getty or like no. NBA? No? Okay. Um, so don't sue us now. Mm-mm. But I would write sports guys mostly like about going to a Brewer game or I don't know, Bucks player or Michael Jordan or something. Um, but I would shudder to read them now. Luckily, this was before our website uh, existed, so those don't exist anywhere other than There's a copy. deep in our archives. <laughs> but yeah, that's how I started writing for the pulp. And it, honestly, that was what a lot of people did. I think my sister's art and photography, my little sister's art and photography ended up in the pulse. A lot of high schoolers that were hanging out at Leroy's at the time um, or Dano's ended up getting their work into the Peninsula Pulse, which really made it relevant to us. And it's, it's something I'm always like striving to do now. Um, obviously now that I'm 25 years older, it's harder to have those easy conduits. You just don't run into the creative types. And if you do, you're a creep. So you got to find other, you, we have to work harder now to like pull that scene out. But that's what was, um, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, this is this, this is this publication that gives a crap about what all of us are going through and growing up in Door County, what it's like. So that's how I was attracted to it. Right. So you were you were a satellite writer to start with, right? You didn't jump right in with all of the guys in the pit in Fish Creek, right? At, at Watch Us Grow? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I would deliver my articles on literally a floppy disk, I think. I, I don't even know if it was, it might have been the 5 inch or was it the 3.5? The 3.5s. Yeah, so I would, I would drive up and I was setting the standard. And honestly, it's not really like unique to me. It's basically every writer of turning it in at the last possible second. These guys would call. Do you really have a column? Do you have something? Uh, we're, we're taking this to the printer in a couple hours. <laughs> what do you got? Um, so it was a lot of that kind of thing. Right. And that, that has changed, right? You're, no, it's not, the that's same. not changed. Okay. Not, not really. No. <laughs> no. All right. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, so walk me through the, your, your kind of relationship with the pulse at, at first, was this something that you're like, man, I, I really want to contribute to this all the time. Or is this like, Hey, I like sending this over there. How did that relationship start to grow for you? I think I was like anybody who thought they wanted to write a column. You're just like, yeah, I just write this column every week. And that's what I envision. Writing a column every week. is really hard. Like, unless you are Unless it's like the only thing you do and you don't have a main job. And at that time I was working 
basically all the time I lived in that pizza place if, if I wasn't playing basketball and, and going to football practice and stuff. Like I was still in high school. Um, so trying to squeeze in a column was really difficult. And now that's, that's one of the things anytime someone tells us, yeah, we'd like to do this column on this thing. Like I, my standard is send me three before I'll even talk to you about whether or not it's good. If you can get three pieces, that's the baseline. Yeah, and remember that we in this day and age, back when we were talking about, there was no way Miles was going to write three columns ahead of time. And we couldn't even ask anybody to write three. We had no <laughs> guidelines. We had no... There was no money. No. <laughs> this was just purely nope. for No, nope for anybody. There wasn't any money for anybody. Yeah. Um, well, and, and back then, too, it wasn't the same as writing a column every week now because the first cup, the first year was how many issues? Well, when Miles was writing, I think we were every other week still. Um, yeah. And, but that was that was year three that we're talking. We're, right. And you hadn't gone to the, the year round at that point yet. So it, nope. it wasn't that many. So it, half of uh, what a yearly column would be, which now if you wanted to write every week, that's like come up with 52 really great ideas. And that's a year. Yeah. So, like, to be able to, to come up with 10 is like, oh, yeah, I could probably write 10 great well, articles. Well, 10, and, you're, and, and during the summer when Miles is trying to deliver pizza at the same time and carrying on a job and a social life, which did, did Dan Housens have any social life really, no. in the summers? Uh, only, Not that anybody did, really. I brought but. them to me. I actually <laughs> still, I realize I still do this now. Like, I have a, a bar in my garage, so it's like, all right, yeah, we can hang out if you want to come to my house. That yeah. <laughs> was always the thing. Like, I was always working at Dano's, and I was then when we took over Husby's, I was always at Husby's. So all my friends, luckily, I happen to have, like, especially with Hus, you know, in high school, you have the pizza. So people want to hang out with you. And then when you have Husby's, people want to come, you have the booze. So that's how I made friends for a long time. <laughs> that's that's fair. Well, I was going to ask, like, when you worked at Husby's, I, I know that you were writing sports early on, but as you transitioned out of that, did you feel like like that's where you were getting your stories as well at the bar counter? Well, so I, I wrote this column for... I don't know, from on and off for a little while and it faded away. And then I went to college at Madison and came back and took over Husby's. And I wasn't really a part of the pulse for five, probably like five years. Um, other than like we would meet and try and do stuff to promote broomball and stuff back in the day um, when we had Husby's. But I also, the, there's another thing about meeting Dave and becoming part of the pulse was also, I was playing basketball at the Sister Bay Baptist church a couple of nights a week. And Great. If I'm honest, I'd go back in time. Like we were breaking into the Sister Bay Baptist Church to play basketball, like at, at odd hours. Um, I won't tell you how, but there was a way to do it. And um, thank you, Sister Bay Baptist Church, because that filled a lot of downtime for me, and and basically was my only place to play for a long time. Between and there the was copyright. no room behind the basketball hoops, and you run into the concrete oh, yeah. wall behind it's an, it. Almost impossible to play without spraining an ankle. Yep. Between the copyright infringement that we talked about earlier and now the breaking and entering, I'm afraid that this is the last episode of the Pulse <laughs> podcast, but uh, continue. Oh, there's more. <laughs> um, but I met like a lot of the guys who were involved with the Pulse were also shooting buckets up there all the time. Uh, Matt Joswick, you, I don't remember if Eggert, Dan Eggert ever played basketball, but there were a couple other guys who would, would shoot buckets up there. So you'd get to know these, Hey, they, I was 16, 17. These guys are 23, 24. Um, they might've acted more like 16 or 17, but they were older. Um, but it was Miles a was crew, so like, mature for his age. <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was cool. You know, at that age, you're like, Hey, I have something in common with these other guys who are doing this cool stuff. They're, they like basketball. I like basketball. That was kind of my standard. And part of the reason I got into Pearl Jam so much is because they, like Eddie Vedder, loved basketball and hung out with the Chicago Bulls. So I'm like, Pearl Jam's cool. I, I like these guys. You know, I have pretty 
pretty well-defined standard for what was cool and what was not. And that's why I was not cool. I, I like this, this idea of like this older kid thing where it's like these guys, you kind of look up to them in like an older brother kind of way, just because they're older and they're cool and they're doing something cool that you feel like you can be a part of. But I also feel like that is, is kind of the origin of the pulse anyway, right? You were, you were deliberately targeting younger people and trying to create a community around the younger people of Door County. I don't think we ever thought ourselves as cool though. I think we, we were just trying to do something. We were, right. We were, we were looking at a way to occupy our time and to try to tell as many stories as we could. That's why we, everybody I talked to was like, Hey, do you want to write a column was, Hey, let's learn about you. I want to learn about you. I don't know anybody up here. So let's Hey, this is a way that I can get you to, an, an easy way. Like you, you, Miles talks about having a bar in his house and inviting people to husbies and having pizza. Well, my, our introduction to meeting people was, Hey, you want to write a column? You want to hang out? Um, it was a way to meet people and a way to grow our social base and try to get to know more people, expand the knowledge base, essentially. Right. There was, you know, something else about that era. It was a kind of a cool time. And I think like now that time has gone on, I realize this is something that happens to Door County every 10 to 20 years or so. But w my brother and I were young, stupid entrepreneurs starting a little pizza place with my mom. And then... I think uh, Kevin Klatt and Jason Peterson. Kevin Klatt was starting a little business. Jason Peterson and John Elman were started were running Big Daddies, which is now like the Taco Cerveza in Fish Creek, and they were both kids in my class in high school. Um, the, there were a lot of the, like the Pulse guys were all young people entrepreneurs. Soon Joel, a couple of years later, would start Good Eggs. Joel Bremer, younger guy. There were a lot of young people. Ryan Leary had Leroy's. He was a young guy, so it was young people employing their friends, and so you had this like. Yeah, even the Duffins, like the, the Duffin yeah. sisters in the Village Cafe in Egg Harbor, they were younger and starting a restaurant and running it, and they ended up buying it from the other, like the uh, previous, and the wait staff bought it, and the cooks bought it, and made it into a restaurant and grew it. It was happening everywhere. It was just a fun time. Like, some people hear that now when I talk about running uh, a pizza place or Dave starting the Pulse right out of college, but we were, like, think of this, you're 26? 27. 27. So I was 10 years younger than you. And Dave was five years younger than you, and he's trying to start a paper, and I'm I'm running a pizza place into the ground. But the like, there was a lot of people taking a risk like that, and then there was this big gap. And part of what drives younger people back into like that new influx of ideas is economic downturn. <laughs> so in like after you get to like 08, 09, there things had gotten a little bit stagnant and stale because that mid '90s group was getting a little older, and you just go into your routines. Well, now you had a lot of places become available in foreclosure. And then you get like your, your Mike Holmes's and your Brent Uncovers and all these other people coming in with new ideas once the, once there becomes opportunity for them. So it's almost like when a, when a forest burns down and it's a tragedy, but something new grows out of it, that's different. And it gives, it gives that new thing room to breathe. That's kind of how like those cycles work. But I think we've been in another one of those cycles for the last five or six years or so with new ideas and new entrepreneurs coming into the county, new artists even coming into the county. And that's what that era was from like 95, I think, to 2000. It felt very much like that to me. Well, and there was also growth at that time. The county was actually doing really well. The county was booming. I still think like yeah. the late 90s might have been like the, the busiest time ever up here. I think thinking back, the, the bigger thing for me is thinking how happy I am that cell phones didn't exist. Yeah. And People couldn't record the time. I mean, <laughs> we've got, we, as Miles points out, his articles can't be tracked down digitally. There was no digital photography at that point. Um, everything was done on film. So it, you could go out at night and not feel like what you did was going to be captured for the rest of your life. And it, it was different. It, it created a different mindset of things. And 
Yeah, I mean, my yeah, everybody has a different experience, but I I think about those bonding experiences at the end of seasons. Yeah, was always one of the greatest the Camp things. David party. Yep, Camp David party or the last show at the Bayside when you knew everybody was going away, and or the 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 day after the Tuesday night after Fall Fest when everybody's kind of left and and is re going back out to hang out with everybody that they just had worked their butts off with all season long, and they get to see them again and not worry about stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. The day after Fall Fest was like a combination of depression for me, but then also relief. And to be honest, like hangover recovery. But you look down the road in Sister Bay and it's just empty. And you're just like, oh, man, now we're in for it. This is six months before we really see an influx of people again. And so I would get kind of sad. And I'm like, what am I doing up here? <laughs> but it's not that bad anymore. Now, now the winters are so much better. But back then it, it was a little more like jarring. Once everyone left. Yeah. yeah, there was that. But the, I, like I looked at it the other way. It's like the, you just get to. You were going look. back to Boston. I was not. I did that one year. Otherwise, I've been here every single winter. Come on. One winter I spent away from here. Uh, but I looked at it as like it actually was a celebration of, hey, look at what we just did this season. I mean, everybody, the, all the servers were working like three or four jobs all the time. Everybody was doing it then, too. And you didn't get to see most of them except these small instances when you got off your shift and you'd see them out at night for maybe two or three hours. And then it was just, that was indulgence to the the nines and not necessarily coherent thought. So winter came, you got to actually hang out with your friends that you hadn't seen much yeah, of like for Ken- all. Kendall calls it friend season. Yeah. Like once the, the, you get through the busy season. And nowadays I'd say that friend season really starts almost January for the most part, but where you start to reconnect with your restaurant industry friends who you only see them by sitting at the bar with them. I always, I still feel it like a twinge of guilt because I used to be part of that. And yep, you, you feel too. a camaraderie of being grinding with everybody and just finding those 10 minutes to hang out and do something cool here and there. And now I work more like the nine to five, or if I'm covering town of Gibraltar, it's the, the nine to 1 AM shift, but you had to get that in there. Didn't <laughs> I you? did. Uh, but it's, uh, it's different. Now you go and I'm like, I'm just sitting at the bar having drinks and I'm relaxed. It's not the end of the night with you guys. And I, I feel guilty for doing that. Well, I don't know about you. When I used to bartend, it was okay. If I have two nights off, I'm going to see the other bartenders that came and saw me when they're two yep. nights off. So it was, it was a camaraderie there and you knew, okay, I'll sit and wait and I'll be the last one served. I don't care. I'm going to hang out with my friends for Trading a little bit. Tip money. Yep. You gave me five. I give you your five back. Yep. <laughs> I love I love hearing this this story of like young entrepreneurial spirit because it's something that that drew me to Door County as well. This idea that like it's it's a it's a small town atmosphere, but we have this huge tourism population as well, which really drives the economy. But then you also you've got these challenges of the seasonality of things. But even with all of that thing, all of those things to be accounted for, if you want to try something new and make a go of it, you can do it here, and, and you can you can try to open the door. I, I hate I hate that we're called Door County because any time that you try to make any sort of like <laughs> wax poetic about anything, you you get into those puns. Yeah. But any try writing headlines for twenty years. Well, so everyone has that. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but just being able to to get your foot in and like try something, I, I feel like this is a place that is welcoming of that, and people can 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 do it and and make a go of it. Yeah. As long as you're, I mean, I feel like we were somewhat lucky when Tom and I started the Pulse because neither of us had much at all available in terms of credit card credit cards so we couldn't go deep into debt and people wouldn't lend us money to make a newspaper because no one was doing that so we couldn't bury ourselves in owing a whole bunch of people a lot of money because i did see some of that i mean i had friends that were able to get access to cash and ended up having to close the business because they couldn't keep up with the, the money loss so 
Yeah, it's a great place to start. It's a, I'd still argue that Door County is one of the best places to come and hang a shingle and start a business, but you just do it conservatively. Don't, don't risk a whole bunch of capital. Just come in and build and grow organically. That's what the Pulse has done, and I feel pretty good. But that's what Peninsula Pizza was doing. It wasn't like you were, you were growing as slowly as you could. You didn't go and get the, the place that had the highest visibility and pay a whole bunch in rent. You found a place that you could afford, and you, you tried to grow. Yeah, we were as my dad would say, vastly undercapitalized. <laughs> so you were just like, all right, we got to make $300 today to pay for the heat tomorrow. Um, actually, we're making $300 in a day to pay for the bills from seven days prior. But eventually you catch up. Um, you hope. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'm sure it was challenging when 60% of your business was coming from day eating for free. No, yeah, well. no, it wasn't that much. <laughs> Some days. So Which my, might be more of a comment on uh, our, the level of business we were doing than it is the, the amount of pizza day. Well, we, we did like pizza. Yep. So you took, uh, you took a little bit of time away from the Pulse when you were running Husby's. When did you come back and, and how did your role change when you started writing more? Well, wait, I, I, I want to backtrack a little bit. So one part that I went into the career of is working with Open Door Communications, which was a marketing company. And one of our clients was Husby's. And so we were working with Miles to do... Husby's marketing stuff in between Miles before Miles came back to write. So we yeah. were we were talking about making. You guys had these ideas of Emma Husby and celebrating her and the the brown cows and bringing back root beer floats and menus and all that stuff. And you wanted to bring in sports. So we like that was part of our evolution of Miles and the Pulse was talking about brainstorming ideas about how to promote Husby's and do cool things within the restaurant and grow it and tell those stories because you were doing that. Yeah, I kind of for forget that but yeah we were we were trying to figure out like the history of that place and and play on that more which was very very hard to do when you you had no money so like, it's a great thing to oh, take over a business when you're like all right we're gonna own this business and we're gonna give it my look and feel like we had no money to do that it was always on a shoestring which thinking back we should have traded food i would have i mean that would have <laughs> that would have worked out just fine or beer I mean, well that, we could market it but then then it's like all right how do we actually I mean, even figure it out Back then, smoke eaters and stuff like that were like, well, well we got to, it, it's like uninhabitable in here, but we, there's no way you could ever ban smoking in a bar like at that time. So we had to spend tons of money on smoke eaters, things like that. But right. Um, and then anyway, someone ripped take, the floor up. A, yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> we get random ideas. We get ticked off at the result of a Packer game and decide to break some stuff and remodel. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, you had the, that's when your offices are where on deck is now. Right. Um, and like leaky ceiling in sister Bay. Thing. So like right yeah. next, almost right next. Oh yeah. There's so many. Yeah. The, the on deck sister Bay location. Um, so yeah, we saw a lot of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and was that, that proximity just drawing you back in miles? Were you itching to write again or how did that transition happen? I think it was more that, I mean, yeah, the proximity helped because I like knew that was, you know, I was always talking to Dave and, and John Nelson at the time. Um, and then, and Madeline was around a lot, but you could push your deadlines just that much further because you just had to walk across the <laughs> yeah, street. Exactly. Um, I don't know where you, I don't think you were writing that much at that but no, point. No, I, I wasn't. But what, um, what happened is I was in business with family. So that inevitably blows up. And my brother and I had to go our separate ways with Husby's again, another very long story for a different podcast. But when I got out of Husby's, one of the first things I did was call Dave and, and say like it, Hey, I'm interested in writing this story. And all I had in mind was really like one story. I wanted to write about Rodney Billerbeck, chief, uh, the old coach at Gibraltar. And he was still 
kicking at that time. And I just thought like, you know what? I haven't read anything on this guy forever, but he was a substitute teacher and he was a legend at Gibraltar. And I just didn't feel like he got the the play that he deserved. I was shocked that there hadn't been like more in-depth stuff on him. And I just wanted to write about it. And um, Dave said yes, because at that time he was still saying yes to anybody who But we were we were actually weekly at that point, I believe. Because at that at this stage we're talking Yeah, you were doing winter issues and all that. We're talking two thousand three? end of two thousand three, beginning of oh four, I think. Yeah. yeah. So then I, I wrote this feature on uh, on Chief and then Dave said, Do you want to keep writing? And then he actually said, like, we could I think a few months later after I wrote a few more pieces, he's like, We could actually pay you something. <laughs> And then I started doing stuff for, for say, like three stories for 200 bucks or something like that, an issue. And uh, I think Roger Coons was there at the time. And actually, I only wanted to write features or like lit section stuff. And they're like, well, how about covering news and like local board meetings? And I was like, I that sounds horrible. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, no, I don't want to do that. But of course, I was like, well, I'll try it. And I didn't really like it at first, but it was a lot of development issues. So then I got pulled into you know if you're from here you always feel like this need to protect it and investigate those stories especially when it comes to development um and that just pulled me into the municipal side but i would never have thought of myself as doing like kind of hard news local municipal government stuff yeah and at that time the staff was well madeline johnson at the time now harrison was my business partner allison broman was on staff roger coons seth wessler was doing design stuff and dan Eggert was running around taking pictures Roger was by far like the old old guy at the Pulse at that time. I mean, he- um, Henry Tim. Remember Henry Tim oh, yeah. was doing lit stuff. He and Peter Sloma um, were doing lit stuff. So I think Henry was the old guard and Roger Coons was slightly his junior. <laughs> but Roger was also on the county board. So I think one of the reasons why he wanted you to write about town stuff was that we couldn't, Roger was writing so much about himself on the town board and <laughs> the advocate was writing about us being unethical. And actually I think Deb Fitzgerald, who's now our editor was writing about us and the advocate and saying we were being doing the wrong thing. So it, all sorts of big things that come big circle these days. And that's all right. Joe Knappen was writing stories about us at Husby's without ever even calling Husby. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> I, I like Joe. I talk to Joe a lot now, but he didn't always follow the, the rules that he espoused. If, if we could for just a minute, because what you brought up there, I think is important for this time period in the pulse. Miles, you, you started writing sports. There was a lot of art writing, poetry, that kind of stuff early on. When did the, when did the shift to more news content happen? And, and was that right about when you were kind of brought back in? Uh, no, it started. Like Roger was doing that. It started in two two thousand and actually the end of two thousand one, two thousand two, um, is when we we brought Madeline was hired by it was she was hired by the Peninsula Pulse and Open Door Communications as a joint employee because the Pulse couldn't afford a full time person and neither could Open Door Communications. Setting a trend for many many different Pulse yep. hires is finding a way to finding a way for someone to squeak by with the living and hopefully keep them in Door County and hopefully be able to increase over time. It's kind of been the policy of what we do. Get your hooks in them. We were starting, that's when we started news. Um, The winter, because that was the 2002 was the first winter we were doing. That's when we started looking more at the news stuff um, and moving more. And Roger Coons wrote a lot about that. And then miles helped grow a little bit more of that. And Madeline was writing at the time, too. She ended up doing more and more sales over time, but she started as a writer. But And you also had, like, columnists doing... It wasn't, like, hard news coverage. It wasn't, like, reported news, but people writing about the news. Like, Mariah Good would write some stuff on zoning yep. um, back before she was the county zoning administrator. Sam Perlman, who would go on to work for Door County Economic Development Corporation, would write columns in The Pulse. If you look at those early, like, five to eight years of The Pulse, what's really cool is to see the bylines and go, oh, like... 
early on in their 20s and maybe early 30s, so many of the people who have come into like pretty formative roles in Door County um, or went on elsewhere to do some pretty cool stuff had bylines in the pulse. Joel Bremer from Good Eggs, Dr. Phil Arnold, who was a doctor here for a long time, now out in Seattle, um, and the, the people I just mentioned, and there's probably a bunch more, Vinny Shomo. Um, there's a lot of kind of cool names to look through in those first five to 10 years and, and see where they, they went now. Jacinda Duffin. So just a quick sidebar, uh, we've got some uh, work going on literally right beyond the wall that we're recording in the studio in. So uh, if you hear a little bit of noise from this point on, uh, we apologize about that, but hopefully it'll be minimal to your listening experience. And there, there might be some barking. Barking as well. Oxford uh, definitely wants to alert us to the fact that stuff is going on outside. Uh, so we'll, we'll have his input here a little bit as well. Um, but what I, what I was wondering about the, the, the shift to doing more news stuff. So early on in the pulse, you, you talked about like, there wasn't really criticism, right? I mean, you didn't have the feedback loop that we have now of people on social media for sure, but you, you also didn't necessarily have people coming to you and being like, why oh, are you writing this? Yeah, we did. Did you? Okay. Oh, so yeah. Walk me through that. Was that occasionally, up to both of the people who read the pulse would sometimes call Dave with complaints. Thanks, Miles. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. I mean, we had Norbert Bly write for us really early on, which caused controversy. Um, we had. I mean, Joel's columns were never not provocative. He was poking fun at something or talking a little bit about the service industry. Um, there was the 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 columnists wrote opinions, so that also got people riled up. It wasn't just, I mean, we wrote... Rick Gordon would Rick Gordon. people off. I remember the first year the, the Pulse published, we had uh, one of my friends from Lawrence um, wrote an article called the... We, had, we unfortunately published it right on the 4th of July issue that was... The, the article was called The United States of Hypocrisy. Um, that got a little bit of a pushback from a, a pretty pro-United States slant, especially on the 2nd of July in 1996 when we called out the United States for some of the hypocrisy of what it was doing. Um, again, that was young minds throwing down the, the gauntlet saying, hey, these are problems I want them addressed kind of thing without thinking a lot about the ramifications. That article is not around for people to read anymore. That's kind of nice. But <laughs> it did get a response. I know that one restaurant owner took all the pulses and put them right in the trash. But what was kind of fun back then is one, a younger server went right out and took him out of the dumpster and put him at a different restaurant. <laughs> so it was, it was an interesting time. So the paper did create controversy. It's just not the same kind of thing. It wasn't local politics. It was more bigger ideas that encompassed other things. Sure. So when, when Roger steps into the picture, there's kind of a, a shift in a way from what you were doing before, right? This is after you've kind of gone out on your own with the pulse after Tom McKenzie leaves. How does that change? And does that, that criticism that's being drawn, does that, uh, does that galvanize the pulse? Does that shift things up? What, what happens there? Well, we were the small little renegade paper, right? I mean, actually our offices, and I think I forgot about this location, but we were in Egg Harbor at the bridge underneath the bridge coffee shop. Do you remember that, Miles? I, I don't even remember that one. That was at, that was our, our winter office between 2001 and 2002. Um, then we moved to Sister Bay after that. But there was a coffee shop with a bookstore above it in Egg Harbor. And at the time, the, we also had the controversy of the, the Justice Center. Do you remember that, Miles? That we had a big debate about yep. whether or not the county should build this huge Justice Center, which now houses the jail and all that. And there was a, a recall election where a bunch of uh, county supervisors were recalled. 
And they still built it anyways. Um, but the Pulse got in the middle of that. That's the, Roger Coons was actually writing for us, and then he ran as a recall candidate and was elected to the, the Board of Supervisors. So that kind of stuck us in the middle of controversy where our news editor was also a county board official and writing about the county board meetings that he was in, which then led to we did small little group gatherings where we had reporters from The Advocate and the reporters from The Pulse come and talk to the public and try to get feedback from what was going on and why that was happening. And yes, that was that was the beginning of those inroads. And that, that was 2002. And um, that was the beginning of the new stuff. And Madeline was brought in to write more about that as well. So then in terms of your reintroduction to The Pulse, uh, you start writing more news. And of course, that's, you know, a, a huge part of what you do now is covering news miles. How long were you with The Pulse during this period? Um, yeah, so I, I come in in 2000. I'd call it like early 2004. And then in, uh, since I had sold out my share of Husby's for basically enough to pay my credit card debt and then a little bit more. And a big screen TV, right, Miles? Well, that's what I did. I I took some of that and I was like, I thought Brett Favre was going to retire that year. So I bought a big screen TV to to bask in the glory of Brett Favre. Um, Priorities, priorities. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I'm I'm a pretty cool guy. You you Um, bought, you didn't just take from Husby's on your way out? No, I I bought one. I had to leave behind the big screen that we had at Husby's. Also, the big screen at Husby's was like not the old school massive one, but like not the thin big screens that we have today. So we had to build like this huge piece of furniture for the TV. It was right. ridiculous. Anyway, um, the so 2004, I write for I think about a year or two and then or maybe maybe a year. And I was going back to school at UWGB at the time. I was commuting there, writing for The Pulse, bartending at T. Ashwell's, and then also bartending at Sister Bay Bowl. Um, and then I started coaching. So I was doing all those things, some combination of all those things for the next, at least the next five years. You were sleeping a lot in your car, weren't you? Or, I mean, that, the, for stretches. some reason, there's a memory of you, like you just trying to get to school, yeah, sleeping, sleeping on the side of the road and... There were times I would drive down to, like, you try to pick your spots to commute to school when you were awake enough. So I would either drive down and have to sleep at a wayside or, <laughs> or sleep in the parking lot at UWGB by the Crest Center there. Um, the now you just you're getting. Well, but you weren't the only one doing that. I think about like Jennifer Hobart was doing the same kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and, like, she was going back to school forth to Milwaukee for to go to Marquette. Yeah. Um, now she's an attorney at uh, Pickard Law Firm. Um, but yeah, we're trying to do all those things and still turn in three or four pieces a week for the Pulse and do the events calendar and handle the PR blurbs and stuff. And it was just a it was a small crew basically. It's me, Dave, Seth, Allison Broman, and Madeline. I think was the core team there. I was kind of like the the one who was in the office the least. They were all in the office, and I was doing all these other things at the same time and trying to squeeze in my articles at the last second. Usually, like between classes that you. And because TV. Miles wasn't around, he was often the scapegoat for why we had all the other problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I probably was the cause. No, no, um, I'm not going that far. I'm just saying, like, when you're not around, it's easy to just blame you. Blame the person miles. that's not there, yeah. <laughs> um, pr- probably put them through a little bit of hell sometimes. But I did that for a few years, and I went to, I did, like, a road trip out west for a while, and I thought I was probably going to move west. And Dave and Madeline, like, made just a good enough offer before I left for me to come back for one more um summer for sure and then that turned into like yeah i'll keep doing this 
And it was enough to do like, again, it was a classic like part-time thing. It was kind of like a half of an annual wage was what I had to do like the events calendar, community stuff, and write some features and occasionally and, and some new stuff. And then I would bartend and coach and cobble together enough to, to get by and live in whatever apartment we could find at that moment. Um, I was just like the post office was moving all the time. I was, I think it was 17 apartments in like 12 years between the age of like 18 and 31. Uh, because most, I mean, it'd be a six month lease here, then a winter lease here, and then a six month lease here. Um, a lot of bouncing around, but it was, it was great because it gave me the flexibility to do a lot of stuff at that time in my life. I didn't want to do just one thing either. I actually liked bartending, even though it was, it's hard to do that on the schedule, but it actually gave me a lot of feedback for what we were doing. And people would go, they, if they'd talk to you at the bar, I'd strike up, strike up a conversation. Somehow it would come out that like, yeah, I wrote this thing in the pulse about that. And, and they'd say, what's the pulse? And so they'd go and open it. And I could actually literally see us gaining readers one person at a time at the Sister Bay Bowl where some of these old people who would never deign to open the Peninsula Pulse, they were just hardcore. Yeah, we do the reminder. Or we do the advocate. That's the, We were the tourist paper. So we, the locals didn't read us as much back then. So they started opening it and they're like, oh, there's, there's good stuff in there. So then the Pulse actually at one point started, I don't know if this is 08, 09 maybe when you started delivering to every mailbox. That was actually 06. So when that happened... I, I'd bartend at the bowl on Friday nights and you'd have people come in and say, hey, I didn't know you wrote. I got this in my mailbox and I opened it up and I read it on the can. And yeah. <laughs> um, and they're like, this was actually good. Like, I like this thing. So it was very transformative. It took, so you think of that, that's like 11 years of the Pulse being on every countertop in the county before a lot of people ever even bothered to pick it up and see what was inside it. And then right. it kind of grew pretty fast, I think, at that point, once you did that. Yep. Well, and I th also think not to bring up a redundant topic, but in 2005 and six, I think we kind of kept you around because we started talking about room tax miles. So that's, that, <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's what kept you going. No, I think, I mean, we, we were going, the, the chamber of commerce was going through a huge transition of all sorts of stuff. There was a lot that the county was experiencing a downturn, as you mentioned earlier. So the news stories got more and more interesting. I feel like, I mean, yeah. from an outside perspective, looking back on what kept you here as much of anything else was that you got involved and you started to be see the see how you could make a difference in through your writing and contributing and asking the right questions and kind of pushing and saying hey how can we do how can we be better um and it gave you a and a, the, i i hope the pulse gave you a way to have those discussions in a bigger meaningful way instead of just a conversation across the bar yeah for sure i, I think it was kind of like a i was getting fed from both sides the pulse would feed some of the conversations that i would have in my other work and my other work would feed into the pulse all the time um you know you'd sit on a bus with other you know going to a, a basketball game that you were coaching and players would come up to you and talk about stuff at the school or that their parents were dealing with or the assistant coaches you'd be having a conversation me and steve northrop and kent city for you know sitting on the bus for hours and that would feed into stories and, and perspectives i didn't have i wasn't a parent at the time so you would hear like what parents were dealing with and what kids were dealing with and then you'd go to the bar and you'd hear um different stories where you'd talk to business owners and at that time people struggling and wondering if they were going to to make it through. I mean, there was a four or five year stretch where every business in Sister Bay basically was really kind of on the brink. And I wouldn't have known that if I wasn't bartending and hearing them talk about it every single night when they would all gather either, either at the bowl or we'd go to Husby's or you sit at the counter at Al's and stuff. And that fed into a lot of our coverage. I mean, honestly, if I could squeeze it in somehow, I, I would bartend now. I think it, it'd make me a better 
reporter and, and writer because it, it, you just hear so much more that otherwise you have to go seek that out and there's nothing in your day-to-day email inbox that applies to what, what people on the ground are experiencing. Right. So, Miles, one thing that I've heard from a lot of young people who grew up here is that everybody at some point feels this, like, pull to see what else is beyond Door County. Did you feel like that was was kind of pulling at you as well? Because I know that you spent some time in Chicago. I always had that. Um, even when you know, we started the pizza place, not because we thought we were going to, well, maybe maybe my brother Dan thought he was just going to build a conglomerate, but I thought of it as, first of all, as a job, and then okay, this is a way to get me through the next couple of years and get pay for part of college, you know, because we had no money to go. And never thought of that as like this long-term thing until later. We were like, well, maybe we can get a couple of locations and, and just do this. And even Husby's, as I was doing that, you have your hopes and your plans for the business, but you also are like, this is a stepping stone to do some stuff, other stuff, whether it be travel or open a second location or open one in Florida and spend the winter down there, that kind of stuff. And I always had the pull to Chicago growing up and my, my parents were originally from there. My sisters had gone to college there, had a lot of family there. So that always pulled at me. So, so you're in Illinois, Illinois? Like, are you saying that like, uh, you're drawn to I believe the, is that the right word? Illini or Illini? Illini? You're one of those? Um, there's other, well, there's acro- one. are there appropriate acronyms for you then? Is it? <laughs> oh, at FIB? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can say it. The, uh, so yeah, I, I felt that pull. And in 2011, I, I, you know, I was getting restless. I'm like, okay, I'm, yeah, I was the news editor of the pulse at that time. Not quite with, a distinction at that yeah, point was, in time. You know, loosely. Um, well, you came with all the credentials, so you quickly had to elevate you to that title. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I demanded the title. Yes, yeah, so you demanded the um, title. It was like, oh, there's no one else here. So I guess that's what you are. Um, you did it better than anybody else. So you had that going for you. The, uh, and even though we were putting Deb and the advocate out of business at that time. Um, <laughs> no, not in the least. <laughs> the, uh, um, you know, the journalism world was changing. There was so much happening in digital. And, you know, at that time there was not a lot, there weren't a lot of resources in Door County. Our website was pretty poor. There weren't ways to, to learn much about social media in Door County at the time or um, digital media, media at all. And I felt like, oh man, what if I, I feel this pull to try something different. What if I wait five more years? Now I'm a, creeping up on 40 and I don't have any of these skills. Now what do I do? Like, how do I go somewhere? So I was just like, I went to Chicago without a job and just tried to freelance and, and pick the brains of people who were much smarter and had But there's some context resources. to that. That was five years that you, I mean, you were with the Pulse for, as news editor from like Seven 2006 years, yeah. to 2011, 12? I started writing in 04. And yeah, I guess 2012 is when I left. So almost... Almost a decade. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't like Miles hung out for a little bit and then took off. He really helped the Pulse grow for a number of years. I mean, when you first were with us, we were in that Sister Bay office, and then we moved to Ephraim, and then you were with us as we moved to Bailey's Harbor yeah, before yeah. you left. And then I was coaching. That, that was a great thing about the Pulse, too, is that it gave me the flexibility to pursue other passions. Like, there's a scene in uh, the movie High Fidelity where they talk, they where he's listing, like, what are your five dream jobs? And that's kind of a theme throughout the movie. So I always have thought of things a little bit that way because it hit me at an impressionable time. But if you'd asked me at one point, like, what are your five dream jobs? Definitely on that list would have been coach on some level and maybe coach a high school basketball team and write for a living. You know, there's, you know, probably writing a book is in there too or something like that. But those two would definitely be in there. And I've gotten to, to do two of those things just by virtue of the pulse because, um, 
And I, when I had to leave at one o'clock for a basketball game, that's one, one, it's one of the reasons it's hard to find coaches for all these things is you got to be able to get out of your job at one o'clock and go on a road trip and go into a parent meeting in the first thing in the morning or at noon and stuff like that. And this allowed me to, to do that and kind of lead this helter skelter uh, life. And Allison Vroman was coaching. Oh, that's what, that's what, yeah, that's what's changed a lot is we just, we don't have that much available time. I mean, you're, yeah. it started with, we encouraged that to, for you to get additional jobs and employment so that we could afford to keep you around because yeah. we couldn't afford you to do full-time employment. And that's kind of one of those growth cycles that the pulse went through. I mean, yeah, Allison Roman was an incredible employee with us for years and she helped the pulse grow and she, she was a coach. She had all these other volunteer stuff and you did two miles. And that was the, that crew of you, Allison, um, Madeline, myself, and Steve Grutzmacher was around and Lisa Glabe was there for a little yeah. while for that too. Everybody worked additional jobs. Everybody had something else they were doing and it stretched all of us thin and sometimes made us impatient with one another and led to some frustrations, but it also, we were, we were kept growing something. So it kind of, that was the one yeah. thing that brought us back is, Hey, we still feel like, at least I hope that was what everybody felt. We still feel like we're contributing and growing together in something. And yeah, it hurts a little bit, both mentally and physically to be, to get up and edit a paper at eight o'clock in the morning. Cause you were doing radio interviews sometimes of it like six, six thirty in the morning and then leaving the office at one to go to an away game and then getting home probably at well after midnight. So those were really long days and Allison was doing the same thing. And it, there was something to just that kind of grind that led to camaraderie yeah. that, that it, you probably can never experience again. It was painful, but really good. And in, in looking back on it. Yeah, I miss it actually. Like it's I don't know how I could do it. Like it's just like working the restaurant shifts. So if I worked one 14-hour restaurant shift today, I would probably crumble and be a wreck for a week physically. But back then you were just doing that every day. Everyone was working doubles. And same thing with all all that stuff. That would be mentally exhausting now, but it was it was also fulfilling. Like you said, like we were putting out a cool paper. Um if you're if you're putting that time into coaching, unless you like hate kids, like you can't help but like feel fulfilled even though it's a grind and you're making like a, I don't know, quarter an hour, but you're, you're seeing the impact the very direct impact that you're having on kids and, and hopefully their families and things like that. Um, and then when we were part of a paper that was willing to be part of the conversation, so you could actually see the impact we were having and, and moving the needle and, and driving things, I think driving things forward in, in a better way for the County. I think the pulse actually didn't just report and, tell you what was happening but we actually helped move things in a more constructive way in many cases and we still try to do that but that was that's what made the grind worth it back then and and also like when i was doing the entertainment side of the paper it was i was like hey i want to highlight all these cool things that my friends and business owners are working so hard to do so you'd also get that fulfillment of like hey i'm gonna get this in the paper and then you see those people have like a big crowd at their event and they deserve that big crowd and you're like they, they thank you. And they're like, Hey, thanks for putting this in like this. You, cause you know that every dollar matters to them. And there's all sorts of like fulfilling things about the, the job when you're, even though you are exhausted. <laughs> well, we were the, I mean, there's something fun about being the underdog. I mean, you mentioned the advocate and the reminder, we were always the second or third or fourth read for some people. And when you start to get more and more people reading and taking you not, and basically starting to take you for granted is a good thing. It makes you feel like they're actually paying attention to what you're writing and they expect you to cover more and more stuff. So well, our, back then our, it was, it was big to be taken seriously, yeah. let alone taken for granted, like walk into a meeting and they'd be like, why are you here? Yeah. Or who are you and what newspaper and why? Yeah. And what are you going to say about me? 
So it was not, I mean, people started to listen and read and we responded, I hope, by trying to tell all the stories of what's happening. But it also added a tremendous amount of responsibility and stress. I mean, it was a paper that went from kind of an entertainment base, which as you pointed out earlier, Andrew, was less controversial and more if it was controversial, it was somebody's one person's opinion that was being blasted as opposed to a newspaper almost taking a stance on things. Or it'd be controversial if say your your entertainment reporter whose name was Miles Danhausen listed an event for the wrong time and screwed up an entire evening for Camp David or something like that like that well, that's a good story I mean that was that was one of those like <laughs> ooh well we actually got to get this right because people do read because that that actually <laughs> yeah. that Camp David story is great we had the wrong time published and every and all these people showed up because the only place that ran the wrong time was us yeah so that meant that the that all these people were actually using us as a resource which that's that, what I was trying to do. I was just yeah. trying to prove a point. Yep, yep. You did that, that a lot. That was the only way to gauge readership back yes, then because you right. didn't have social media. Exactly. Yeah, social media helps with readership. Great. Um, <laughs> I'm in love with social media these days. Um, I mean, I, the, the point was that the responsibility, we started to feel that, and that, that got heavy. That became a burden for a little bit. And part of the, I mean, I, I know you left for Chicago with other reasons, but there was a lot of stuff going on in the newspaper internally about us trying to, grow through that time period too, which stressed us individually as staff members here as well. Um, there was some turnover. I mean, Seth Wessler left in that time period. Allison left a little bit after you did miles. Um, there was, it just, it was hard. Yeah. Um, I kind of forgot about like the, I distinctly remember like the claustrophobia of it at the time of like, as the pulse grew into something more that people recognized and then combining that with coaching and it's a very lame version of it, but like, you know, you talk about like Door County Famous and it'd be like you go to the grocery store and people either wanted to talk to you about a story, a story you should write, or their kid in fifth grade basketball and how you needed to know everything about what he was doing, even though you weren't going to coach him for seven more years. So it became, I don't know, it just, you, you couldn't go and sit down at the bar and just have a conversation without like five people wanting to talk about certain things, which I actually usually really like. But at that time I was I don't know, getting immature. Well, I mean, I think there's a point even the last few couple of years where you'd go into a grocery store and it would something that should take 10 minutes takes 45 because you get kind of shanghai in one of the um, aisles. And it's something that we used to complain about. Now, a year into a pandemic, I kind of really miss it. <laughs> yeah. Like I miss running into those people and having a conversation. I long to return to that and be able to hang out with somebody in the grocery store aisle for 20 minutes talking about their kid or their mom, yeah. what their mom experienced or just learning more about what people are doing and up to instead of relying on social media and email and telephone to actually have face-to-face -face conversations. Right. So Miles, you came back in 2017, which was shocking to me because you probably walked through the door of the office, the new Pulse office, which we're currently in, uh, maybe a, a month or two before I did, which to me, like I come into this office and I'm, it's easy for me to go like, oh, this is the way that it's been. Miles has been here forever and all this kind of stuff. And in a way you, you have, but like to, to know that like what I know is the Pulse had turned over so drastically just a year before it, it was, was shocking in my research of, of the story. Well, and there's one other story. So I think the miles, your wife, and before you were married, um, I think we went to a joint friends wedding. I don't know. When, when, when was that CJ? And <laughs> yeah, it might've been CJ and Teresa's. What was that? 2014, 20, when 14 or 13, one of the, yeah. 
So the first thing that your now wife said to me is, "You're not, you're not gonna. Miles is not moving back to Door County." I, I remember <laughs> that. Like, she, you're not luring him back to Door County because, as much as you left in 2012, you were still helping us with all of our events. Yeah, so we were, up, we I'd were pulling up 12 times a year for events and meetings and things like that. And then I would do like special sections or special features for the Pulse. So I would, it was actually kind of great because I didn't get have to do all the nitty gritty and do the weekly week to week coverage of all the mundane stuff i could just kind of pick my topics and yeah and he could be critical of how he did things from afar and not have to do anything about fixing it yeah it was, it was actually really nice yeah <laughs> don't move back to chicago please <laughs> stay um but but it's i mean i'm not i'm not bringing it's really wonderful to have ann and miles and now connor in door county and and back here and I don't often bring it up with Ann, but like, yay, we got you back here <laughs> anyways, despite <laughs> my first time I met Ann was, don't, you're not luring Miles back to Door County. So is there anything else, as we're, as we're approaching an hour here, is there anything else that, that we, we haven't touched on? We've, we finally, in, in the, the course of this, gotten back up to present day, basically, because if you started listening to the podcast in... 2018, I think is maybe when the first episode came out. Uh, you've kind of heard the story from here on out uh, well, at this point. You've heard I, lots of basketball stories and coaching and husbies <laughs> and basketball and coaching and, and husbies yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say that I wouldn't say that that's the story, right? Because this was like my story of those last 15 years, but like there were so many people who, you know, as I've said, like I kind of bounced in and out. And there was a stretch where I was like really full time, but there was also these stretches that I was half time. But like other people were like Allison Vroman um, really did the day to day grind with it. And, and Madeline Johnson and um, Bonnie Spielman. Remember Bonnie, Bonnie was Spielman, yep. Nick Garvoyle. Is it Garvoyle? I still don't know. Is it Garvoyle or Garvoyle? I think we called him Garvoyle and he never corrected us. So if yeah. we should have been saying Garvoyle. We have a habit yeah. of having very quiet graphic designers. So we don't know if we actually pronounce it right. Um, then... I mean, Ryan Miller's been here for 10 years and has really honed in the look of the paper and stuff over that time. So there's, this is my kind of experience, but I, I, <laughs> I almost shuddered to hear the other versions. Um, I'd love but, to hear Allison Broman's and, and Madeline's experiences as well, but maybe, maybe I'm not on the podcast and they feel free to, free to, <laughs> more free to talk about actually what went on. Um, but I, I think there's some pretty good stories out there and let alone all the interns that pass through the doors. I mean, I'd love to hear yeah. Some of those thoughts. I remember we Dan had Eggert. Dan Eggert. Dan He'd be a great one. Do you remember we had two interns one year when we were over in Ephraim? One would they like? Oh, I can't remember. One was a Lawrence guy, and you guys just you hated. You didn't hate him, but just like, why can't he do any work? <laughs> there, there was <laughs> there, that. I won't there, say the name. Yep, there were a few of those. Um, and then there were some that were just like, oh my gosh, this person's so much better. They could actually take yeah. my job. Like, yep. <laughs> Yeah, those are always the fun interns when you're like, you are fantastic. Can you stay forever? And they're like, no, you only have me for one summer because I got to go back to school. Or but, you're like, I wonder if they know that they know more than me already. <laughs> but that was the case with Allison. Allison kind of started as an intern and ended up staying with us a much longer period of time. Celeste, um, more recently, was the same way. Yeah. Um, it was a it was a track for us to do that kind of thing. And, and internships, I guess, traditionally have always been like that for companies. But with us especially, it's one of those... Here's a way we can try someone out and hopefully they get to experience something different and grow with us and move forward. Well, you, you mentioned wanting to hear those stories. I have interviewed uh, Maddie Sherrill and Sam Chrysabet and Alex Wojtek. I've 
all the inter- interns that we've had over the last couple of years I've had on the podcast. And one of the things that they all say mirrors that being able to come and try something and be given the freedom to do cool stuff and, and investigate things and not have to fit into this like rigid assignment based thing. Where yeah, like I'm I kind of interested in the ones, things. the ones when they would see me disappear and wonder where I went for three hours when I played Frisbee in the middle of the day, <laughs> thinking that I was just blowing off work the whole time. But really, that was the only time that I wasn't working. But I'm, I'm curious what they thought about those experiences in those time frames. Dave was independently wealthy and could just take massive stretches of the day off. Right. That's <laughs> definitely been shown throughout the years that I'm independently wealthy. Well, with I that, would be if Miles knew how to write better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, with that, uh, as, uh, as our noise level is going up again, uh, thank you so much, both of you, for coming on. I'm sure that this won't be the last time that the two of you are in the same room together chatting about the old days. But uh, uh, it was great getting to hear that side of the story. And uh, I look forward to, to, to hearing more as we continue to look at the history of the Pulse. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at the Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.